I really look at improv as a way of traversing the chasm, so to speak, that causes people to ghost or be non-responsive. And I just bring it somehow. I, I dig deep, I dredge it up, and I put it out there. And I'm yes-anding my brains out. And I guess that <laughs> I guess that's my superpower. I can keep thousands of conversations in play at once. And from that, I'm able to unearth opportunities. And that's what I teach my clients. Well, there's another there's another word for ex, for the extemporaneous approach that you take, which is honesty. True. What what being extemporaneous means is you're able to fly with the truth in a way that you know doesn't yeah. require a lot of effort and planning because it is tied to yeah what's real. Exactly. Martians landed, yes. wearing Prada suits, yes. drinking Henry's seltzer, yes. chewing juicy fruit. Yes, and your branding here. Yes, brand. Your message here. Yes, and a verse about. Yes, your product here. Yes, I'm Hirsch Redman. Yes, and I'm a message therapist. Yes, and I have a podcast. Yes, brand. That's right. That's it. Yes, we'll help you fix the world. Yes, or your bottom line. All right. Your bottom line. Get it. I get it. Welcome to the Yes Brand Podcast. Yes. So I was just having some Frito Fritos, nacho flavored Frito chips, and, and Frito Lay is a is a big corporate brand. You don't necessarily hear people say, uh, oh, I just had some some JD Gershbeins. And, you know, they gave me, they, they really, really hit the spot. They will say, I just talked to JD and I feel awesome. And that's the difference between a corporate brand and a personal brand. And since 2006, JD's been a powerful personal brand at the forefront, especially of LinkedIn, the LinkedIn conversation that we all, that we all are trying to become experts at. Well, he's an expert at it. He's a, a writer, facilitator, media producer, with a very broad academic background that includes psychology, neuroscience, and the humanities. So you put all that together and you add a layer of improvisation and a background at Chicago's famed Second City, and you have the amazing and wonderful J.D. Gershbein. Welcome <laughs> to Yes Brand. Is this where I say thanks for having me, Hirsch? It's encouraged, but it's not absolutely necessary. And I have to say, I've, I've never been mentioned in the same sentence as Fritos before, which takes me back to my childhood. Very popular snack, I might say. Yeah, and shouldn't everybody have mm -hmm. that opportunity? You should be aligned with a snack. Aligned it's good for branding. with a good snack. Yeah, you know? absolutely. All right. Good to be here. Seriously, man. I've, okay. I've watched how you roll. I'm ready for you. you. I'm, I'm there. I'm just, just mold me, shape me bend me any way you want me. I, I will. That's the way you want it. Any way you want it. We'll do a single <laughs> journey. I don't know that there I you get, go. I don't know that I get through it. It's not by choice, but I don't know that I get through a day without hearing Journey and Steve Perry's okay. voice. And so absolutely uh, so I think that's you know that's 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 a good start for us. Well um, when journey when we wear out the whole journey thing we can move into all those other rock right. bands from the nineteen eighties. Right. Yeah. Right. I think the way I see this conver conversation going is, uh, you know, we started with Fritos. We're going to move <laughs> into Journey. We'll probably throw a little Rush in there, maybe some sticks. 
And then, uh, and then, you know, about an hour and a half, yeah. hour and a quarter, hour and a quarter into the conversation, we can, there you we go. can get around to the notion that some of the audience, when they first came to this episode, were hoping for some insights into branding and, you know, how to build a great personal brand. There you um, go. Well, we can say that personal branding is a journey. It is a will. journey. It is a journey. You see, you see what I did there? Yes. Okay. Yes. Right. And people can throw sticks and the stones at us, but that doesn't necessarily change our go. perspective. There so you go. That's our show. That's going to be our <laughs> note. I don't mean that's our show like wrap up. That's a show that you and I can do is going to be creating pun, branding puns around rock and roll history. And we play, you know, I was a DJ in college. I miss like actually playing music and DJing, you know, that art of DJing. And I think this is a good place to start the personal brand conversation as as it applies to me, because I'm your guest here today, thankfully. And I've been a broadcaster since 14 years old. And the first day of my freshman year at high school, I joined the high school radio station. And the reason that I bring this up right now is because I, and I, I didn't really know it then, Hirsch, but that was the start of my personal brand journey. It got me comfortable in front of a microphone. It really made me finely attuned to the idea that there was an audience out there and that it was my job slash duty slash responsibility to compel them to be good, to be polished, to be poised. And it was a radio station with real microphones. And I, ha I had to get a third class of a radio and telegraph operator's license to be on the air. And, and I really fell into broadcasting very naturally. I took to it. It, it has kind of honed the, the on-camera and on-microphone persona that I bring to you here today. So it's been decades in the making. And, and I think that's the way to really preface our conversation and to get folks leaning into the personal brand journey that they're taking is a lot of this stuff starts early before we even yeah. break into the business world. Yeah, true. I think for me, it started when I was making audio cassette tapes, recording songs off the radio and then introducing them. And, you know, whether I was writing parodies or doing skits with my friends, pepper creating shows literally is is something that I did at the, at the same time, 12, 13 years old. And I think a lot of us try to find the job that fits our brand, if mm -hmm. you will. Um, and it isn't always there. You know, a DJ is a job, but it isn't always quite there. What was your experience as someone kind of bursting with creativity and honing your persona? When did you first start thinking, I have to focus? put this in a in a in a future con in a context of my future my business future it really informed and impacted my communication off the air i i began to think like a broadcaster i i also have other creative outlets i i've been a cartoonist i i've produced my own shows as well and and wrote plays i i've i've always been able to kind of have this outflow and it's taught me how to pace and it's taught me how to literally think and anticipate one step ahead in a conversation. So I'm, I'm very improvisational, but yet I'm very rehearsed. And I'm, I, I think that maybe we call that being polished, but I also take what the situation gives me. I have no idea where our conversation is going, but what I try to do is, is think. I'm, I'm wondering where you are as the host, where you're going to take me, and how I can measure my responses, but also knowing 
and respecting the audience on the other side of our conversation, we've got to give them something. They've got to ask themselves, hey, why am I listening? Why am I staying tuned? What's, what are these guys going to tell me that I don't know? How are they going to help me move the needle in my business? Because we are playing to a business audience. And personal branding is a uniquely business concept. It is. It is. I mean, the thing that drives, I think, this conversation of, of you know, this bigger conversation around personal branding is that everyone who has a job, let's say, we could mm-hmm. say everybody has a personal brand, but the entrepreneur, the the consultant, those people are the coach, you know, and and also a freelance writer or a, or a freelance creative. Those people are actually reliant on the brand that they build around themselves to get mm-hmm. the business going, as opposed to someone who is, uh, you know, who, who has worked their entire career at J.P. Morgan. And then when you hone it down and talk about LinkedIn, for example, you know, how does that how does that influence uh, your vision of what your personal brand is? Very true. And LinkedIn is a confined space. It it is where the business and professional universe hangs out, resides, lives. And whether they're participating on the site, they still do have a presence there through a profile. So there's only so much you can do with a profile. Profile plus participation equals presence. So we talk about having a brand presence or driving a LinkedIn footprint. Well, you can't do that on profile alone. You have to apply force to the system. That force is through content. It's through messaging. It's through outreach, both personal and group outreach. And if you're if you are the product and your company has a voice on the platform, that's another way to bring new variables into the brand equation. But I, I think that the personal branding conversation, Hirsch, uh, for some is kind of trite. And to your point, there are folks at Cubicle Row at most corporations that don't think about personal branding. Heck, they don't even think about building a network. They will if they needed a new gig. But for the most part, they work at a company. They have assigned tasks that they need to carry out. They're not hanging out on LinkedIn the way you and I are or the way that our viewers are for the most part. In the creator economy, where there's people who are building their reputation and their identity through the content they produce and distribute on LinkedIn, that's where the rubber meets the virtual road. They are in the game every day. And like me, that's my mantra, trying to stay relevant, age gracefully, and achieve inner peace because there's a lot there's a lot coming at us on social these days isn't there yeah yeah that's a good that's a i mean look i was just thinking is it is it intimidating in a way you know we want to engage are we sometimes a little bit concerned about what we're like po- like are we over posting over liking over right. engaging things that you know, how important is something to have to be to us for us to open our mouth? Hard to say because LinkedIn is around the business conversation and how much is too much. And at what point do we become saturated? When you talk to people who produce a lot of content, that's they're doing something that 99% of LinkedIn nation is not doing. When we connect with people and we see their posts on a day-to-day basis, there's a hundred people who are not posting and there are a lot of people who are dormant or stagnant who are just non-participatory on the site. So it's a big step to get out there and, and put yourself out there in a way where you're perceived at face value and you're trying to build a business through, through your outreach. Um, and 
that's why LinkedIn is so enigmatic. They're just a lot of people that freeze up in front of that blinking cursor and don't know what to say. They, they don't know how to engage on the site. And things that I take for granted are very big quantum leaps for other folks. And that's a huge piece of my, my coaching platform is, is getting folks acculturated into LinkedIn so that they, f- they don't feel they're straying too far out of the comfort zone. And they're doing things that in the long run will be constructive to this thing called building a brand. Brand is not guaranteed to anyone. It takes a lot of time and effort to build a brand. Unless you, unless you quick hit or do something outrageous and you become a household word by doing something, which we see pretty much in, in celebrity circles, people on LinkedIn just don't fall into influencer status. They don't build a recognizable identity in, in a few days or a few weeks. It takes time. I've, as we sit here and tape today, I'm entering my 17th year as a LinkedIn specialist. I've been true to the platform. I'm not a generalist like some folks who, who would build Facebook pages or teach you how to tweet. I'm on the platforms, but I live on LinkedIn. And the way that I teach LinkedIn nowadays goes against the grain of what a lot of folks think is good personal branding. And that is, I don't sell. I artfully self-promote. I don't come at people from the point of view of of just a trigger-happy huckster looking to get them involved in my product or service. I'm a relationship builder. And the way to stand out these days, to truly stand out, Hirsch, is to approach folks from a place of collaboration and co-creation and work on the relationship. And don't sell a lick. And and the the key words, um, stand out, is really at the heart of everything it's it's you know i was going to say that a lot of a lot of people on linkedin are sales people how do we make ourselves special what makes us special on linkedin and stand out on that platform the element of surprise and doing things that are unexpected and different that go again that uh, that just go against the grain of of what the popularized notion is and the default behaviors on LinkedIn are to sell. And and make no mistake about it, LinkedIn is a platform that is built for overt, shameless self-promotion. I mean, that's what we're going to do. I mean, you could share articles all day long to the Business Insider or the Wall Street Journal or to Entrepreneur or Inc., and that will provide the so-called value for your network because you're introducing them to new concepts. But when it comes to building a recognizable identity on the site, that's, that comes through you. You have to crack open the window to, you, to your world and reveal yourself in a certain way. This is the notion that I'm advancing these days in my next frontier of LinkedIn paradigm, which is LinkedIn style, how we develop a sense of style, a manner of doing things that becomes uniquely identifiable to us. We individuate on the site. So nobody's doing what we're doing. And I like to think that I'm very characteristic and very stylistic in the way I approach LinkedIn. There's nobody that does what I do on the site. Yeah, I hope I hope that this style that you embody and that you and that you're cultivating is appreciated and considered a norm because I like to see professionalism and dignity and mutual respect and. Uh, you know, you're a social scientist. I'm a satirist in a lot of my, you know, cool. writing. And, you know, I felt like, okay, well, that's, I can't uh, on any of these platforms go in and do satire in my commentary because they're not satirizing 
anything. They don't think it's funny. They're not making jokes about it. I come in with my joke and to them I'm a jerk because I just – I'm not – whatever. I'm making light of the – so I'm like, okay, we have to – we have to put everything in its in its place if we're going to be understood. It's so easily to be misunderstood when things are in writing and when people don't have a, a chance to, you know, you watch those strings that go on with people and, uh, you know, one over the other and uh, all that stuff on Instagram, on Twitter. It's, right. it's, it's nuts. Yeah, vagueness is the antithesis of branding. I mean, if you're going to really stand out in, in a milieu, in an environment, you have to do what I call disambiguate yourself and you have to remove any complexity or clutter from who you are and what you stand for. And all I've ever done on LinkedIn, to be honest, is is be very honest and forthcoming with what I put out there. I'm trying to promote a business as well. And in my and my business, like any other business, has become hyper crowded. Uh, LinkedIn services are highly commoditized just like anything else a lot of people have jumped on that gravy train and that bandwagon and there's there's a lot of bad linkedin advice out there i've got to tell you but i've got to take pages from the personal brand playbook i've got to put myself out there in a way where i'm still i I retain my relevance and uh, i do the site in a certain way i i I see what others are doing and quite frankly i'm disturbed i'm annoyed i'm perplexed there's a lot of eyebrow raising going on with me sometimes when I look at what people are doing on the homepage. Mm-hmm. But my role and my goal is not to be the voice of doom and gloom. I, I really want to shepherd people and get them performing on the platform and using it effectively because I am witness to the testimonial power of the platform. I'm a LinkedIn success story. I, I could be one of their best. I mean, it, it, it gave me my livelihood. It gave me my identity, something I really didn't have prior to when I I joined the site. I haven't been visionary with all that much in my life, Hirsch, but I clicked on this and <laughs> and thought it was going to be great, and I moved in that direction, and that's that's how I teach any entrepreneur in social entrepreneurship these days, is I I had a dream, a vision, and moved toward it and made it happen. I don't think we need to be visionary about all that much. If you look at people who, have, uh, who we admire, who've accomplished great things, mm-hmm. Maybe it's one great thing, and it may have taken them 40 years to do it, but it's, it's one vision or one goal. And they right. may have accomplished other things along the way and have other fulfillment. Right. But I don't think it's like, like, like I might have thought when I was really young about movies, let's say, movie business, yeah. and say, oh, well, you, know, you want to have a, a, a filmography of 100 films. Um, you know, it, 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 doesn't, it isn't like that. I think that we spend yeah. more time on the things we really, really care about and nurture them over Correct. time and stay on that path and don't quit just because it gets hard. And, uh, you know, and that's where the fulfillment lies, not, you know, for me. And we're a shortcut, happy society and people want it and want it quickly. And I, the misnomer is and personal brand strategists would have you believe that that building a personal brand is something anyone can do and, and do it overnight. And right. the way that you do this every day, like if you look at any really solid, strong personal brand, iconic brands, it's taken them a long time to build what they have. And it's it's the journey if you'll pardon the expression, to to come (laughs) full circle, that has got them there, that has built the brand for them. And brand is, again, something that we only have so much control over because in the end, it's people at the other end of our our communications and our our appearance who who look at us and they make their own choices on on us. Um, 
you can only control so much. For me, when I transitioned from a marketing practice to a, a LinkedIn consultancy, nobody was really talking about personal brand. I was working with a lot of people who, who needed a job. And, and that's a whole different mindset than working with someone in sales who's trying to build a book of business and create funnels and move prospects through a pipeline. So I've grown with the profession. It's something that I have labored extensively on. I've put in rigorous study, long hours of, of work on LinkedIn. And you can't binge brand. You can't just say, oh, I'm going to build a brand as a consultant or a coach or this service provider or that. It takes a while. It takes feedback from people. It takes some crowdsourcing. And it takes people who let you know that you're on the right track doing what you're doing. Yeah, the feedback is great. It's great to get feedback on what you're doing and get kind of an immediate response. And I've noticed that with LinkedIn as well. I've had periods where I had no response to anything. I wasn't really trying that hard. Mm -hmm. And that was a big part of it. I think, you know, like you say, it was you don't. It's not I don't think that that social media in general works well when you dabble. I don't think no. dabbling dabbling in TikTok or Instagram or and I and I've done all I did all those things. I, I you know during the pandemic when I was trying to create content that was funny and I you know I dabbled in Snapchat and I right. dabbled in TikTok. Now I you know looking at stuff more seriously, I do wonder because mm -hmm. I think sometimes there's a the, the the right person will find the right platform that that really suits them. Yeah, I think right. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so what? How how do you differentiate between the people for whom LinkedIn is is a really great fit and people who say, well, in spite of being a little bit older and more experienced, I should do TikTok or I should you know <laughs> content you know. People who are yeah. in creative content, sure. you know, stuff. So it's not out of nowhere. They're not accountants who say, I should have a TikTok account and I should dance to promote my accounting, which yeah. is not probably something that is, that, that is crazy or is not there. But yeah. Um, yeah, so how do you differentiate? You know, we have to make these things our own. And in my teaching paradigm, my next frontier of LinkedIn, that's what I'm showing folks how to do. I made it my own. I think there's this kind of over-reliance on the self-declaring experts and gurus and mavens and Sherpas and, and all these people who have systems or frameworks. And if you plug into these frameworks, it may not work for you. But I'm the guy that's going to give you the autonomy, the room to roam and the freedom to fail. And LinkedIn, like any other social networking site, is a trial and error proposition. You, you have to experiment. You have to see what works and what doesn't. You have to work within your individual personality constraints, your tolerance for risk, your learning style. You have to do what's right for you. You can't square peg and round hole it on, on LinkedIn because you'll be caught. People will see that it's, there's something contrived about what, what you're doing. But if you're genuinely trying to build a brand. This is a goal. This is a pursuit. This is what you're trying to cultivate, a certain sense of style. It requires eyes on. It requires mind on, critical thinking, staying focused, staying on task, and reacting in a way that's positive for you. Yeah. You focus on what works for you. And ideally, when you put out something that does resonate with other people, they will continue to look for it. They will, they will opt in with you. They will share your work. And that's where LinkedIn becomes communal. 
And everything LinkedIn is doing right now is set up to favor people who create content and want to build community. The next great piece in all of this is how do you take your outreach, your outflow, your creative pursuits, and bring people to you? Some very inbound attractional perspective here. But community is really the word. Community yes. is what it is. That's what I was looking for when I started my, my Truth Tastes Funny podcast and when I started this podcast. I was more interested in community. I had been mm -hmm. shut off from community due to the pandemic. Then when I got back into it, yeah. I was reconnecting with people I already knew, but I was finding it more difficult to meet new people, just new people who shared interests, uh, professional interests with me. Mm -hmm. And that's what kicked it off. And that's why I think LinkedIn proved to be a kind of a, you know, a much more interesting place for me than I had previously imagined. You're also going to build your brand or what your concept of your brand is through your community first, your tribe, and it's going to spread out concentrically from there. I think the, yeah. the misnomer is that you go out there with a, a, a knockout profile, you put a few posts up there, and lo and behold, you have a brand. Right. But it's the people who will propagate you, the people who, who look at what you're doing and go, there are other folks who should know this, read this, share this. And they're the ones who evangelize you and put you out there in position to cross-pollinate with other communities. And, and it, it builds and you start to see how patterns emerge and you start to move from community to community as we've done really since March of 2020 during the pandemic. We, we just kind of shift through various virtual meetups and and get into uh, the optical field of so many people, you have a chance. You have a chance to, uh, to win them over, to, to get them believing in what you're doing. And, and who knows, if all goes well, a business conversation ensues and you can engage, you can have a transaction. So I think there's numerous ways that LinkedIn works behind the scenes to create this concept that we call brand these days. But, but more than that, you can't get to brand until you... You shift your thinking enough where you can approach LinkedIn with an opportunity mindset, with a growth mindset, with the idea of doing things right for the greater good, and that is per perceptible, and people will see that, and they take you in when they see that. You, be you, you become more meaningful to them. You, you start to resonate with them, and I think that's how brand is driven across a platform like LinkedIn. You know, it segues nicely into the next thing I wanted to dive into with you, which is improv and comedy, because without the other side, I think I think without the humanity, uh, without the interest in community, without it, all that stuff, comedy isn't comedy is just whatever it is. It could be just mm -hmm. an escape or something. Sure. But when we when I talk with clients about comedy and when I when I write comedy for a brand or or when I just inject humor into right. the conversation, it it is balanced by the credibility that I think we get from that other side of our personality, the serious business person, the thoughtful listener, the you know, those those things. Yeah. Um but take take us back to Second City. Now you you're from Chicago originally. I am. Yeah. So I don't think we mentioned that before. <laughs> so you were born and bred Chicagoan. I am. And, but still, not everybody who's born in Chicago ends up at Second City. No, that's I that's imagine. absolutely right. And 
I learned of Second City back in the 1980s and actually took a class or two when it was really cool to say that you were taking classes at Second City because Second City has opened up its its arms and, and is a, 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 I mean, an amazing, pulsating, vibrant venue that attracts individuals and businesses now. They have a huge corporate arm and they are training Fortune 500 companies on everything from sales and business development to conflict resolution and harassment and all sorts of, of ways that Second City has has leveraged the the phenomena of improv to make people better. And and that's what I do. I, I see improv as a valuable cognitive framework for LinkedIn and how I work with clients and how I speak at, at conferences. I've improvised my whole life. I I had I have no playbook, Hirsch. I am I'm out there on a limb. I'm I, everything I do is extemporaneous. Although again, this kind of rehearsed spontaneity that I that I favor because I'm I'm good across multiple situations and I create good awareness, good situational awareness. Back in 2017, I decided to resume my study of improv and sketch comedy at Second City. I went back to engage a coach to help me up-level my solo performance to just be an even better speaker because I think we can always improve, right? And sure. and the coach says to me, she says, you know, I've seen your stuff online, JD. Why don't you go back and take some classes? I, th- I think they could really help you. And I did. Uh, so I resumed long form, short form. I took like, improv and solo performance and a little bit of film and media And because I was I produced my own videos. And it really, again, it just broadened my horizons, opened up my mind because so much of what we do in business can be extrapolated to an improv scene. I look at everything I do. I look at this, my conversation with you. We're scene partners on the stage and I'm taking in what you give me. I'm receiving it and then I'm giving back. It's the yes and phenomenon. Yes, and of right. course, being the sine qua non of, of improv. So what I do in every conversation, whether it's online or offline, I'm just keeping it in play. That's all I'm doing. What's so damn hard about that? I, I just don't give people an out with me because I feel that every conversation I have has a bookmark. I can always resume it. I work very hard not to burn bridges. I really do. I I like to feel that I could approach any of my first-degree connections on LinkedIn and pick up right where we left off, and they'll be cool with it, and me. So I I really look at improv as a way of of, of traversing the chasm, so to speak, that that causes people to ghost or be non-responsive. And I just bring it somehow. I, I dig deep. I dredge it up. And I put it out there and I'm yes anding my brains out. And I guess that I guess that's my superpower. I can keep thousands of conversations in play at once. And from that, I'm able to unearth opportunities. And that's what I teach my clients. That's what I hope we teach our listeners is that as you go out there and just try to do right by people, your brand will build and you'll attract the right people. And the ones that aren't the right people, I mean, to heck with them, right? I mean, who the hell needs to build up toxicities in their life at this point? Well, there's another there's another word for ex, for the extemporaneous approach that you take, which is honesty. True. What 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 being extemporaneous means is you're able to fly with the truth in a way that you know doesn't. Yeah. 
require a lot of effort and planning because it is tied to yeah. what's real. Exactly. And what and what you're what you're feeling and that's yeah. that's where my comedic journey has taken me which is I realize that sometimes you use comedy to diffuse tension. Sometimes you use humor. To, but, but what is that? What is the thing that's diffusing the tension? It's the truth. It's calling attention to the thing that's, you know, that's kind of, right. you know, scary. Right. We're, 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 we're making fun of the elephant in the room. We're calling out there his pink polka dots. We're, we're do we're making that clown, you know, that's scaring us as little children. We're making that clown less scary. You have to you be know, careful, though, Hesh. Uh, yeah, uh, Hirsch, I'm sorry. Uh, Hesh, of course, one of the great characters from The Sopranos. But well, Hesh, Heshi is, is there. My, you go. My original nickname, the Heshmeister so, General. Uh, yeah, right. You have, oh, yeah. you have to be careful because you don't know in certain situations how humor is going to land, and there's nothing more flattening than trying to be humorous and trying to be cute. And asserting yourself as such, and just having it fall on the wrong people who are in the wrong mood, who don't want you to be too cute, and and all of that. And and when that happens, it would I guess be the equivalent of bombing in standup. I, I mean, you you want to be good. We we do want to per, be perceived as leaders. That is, those of us who want to be perceived as leaders. So if you're going to leverage humor and Humor is a great instrument to leverage. And when it, when it works, it's about as effective as any strategy we have. And I believe you have to be careful. Really read the situation and understand that, okay, it's 50-50, hit or miss. This could either work very well for me or it'll give me negative branding. And you don't want to ever take away a negative impulse from what you're trying to accomplish. That's where listening is really our friend. Because I'm sorry, did you say something? What I said was, oh my God, if he talks over me, if he talks over me again, he's out. That would be one of, one of the great joys of improv is for me just throughout my life has been playing with people like off stage. Not I was in, I did improv on stage. I loved that mm -hmm. medium, but whether it was on vacation or or at dinners or mm -hmm. sightseeing with friends or whatever, just improvising, usually arguments, usually like we just did, like usually it's it's, it's ball busting stuff. It's the kind of stuff that is kind of you know, as the, as the British say, taking a piss. You know, they say, oh, he's just taking a piss out of him. You know, it's like that thing is again so. Uh, such a relief mm -hmm. and a release, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a relief and a release. It's like, I read the teleprompter wrong. <laughs> it's a, it's, it's a relief and a release. No, but it is, it really, it really, again, rooted in what, in truth, rooted in, right. in what we're, what we don't want to do to the to the friend we don't want to offend them and so we uh, we josh around with them so that they know that we're kidding so they know that we have affection we can do it when we have affection established sure all of those things i i i can only imagine are incredibly helpful when you're trying to get people to present their best version of themselves in a wardrobe so to speak that fits you know. I would say, and I, I think you're also skirting the big A word that we've heard so much of since the onset of the pandemic, and that is 
authenticity. Authenticity. And, yeah. <laughs> and it has achieved buzzword status. I prefer to use the term the genuine article. And that's what people right. get from me. I am the genuine article. And I don't need to go reaching for anything but the truth at this point in how I communicate. And for those of us who pride ourselves on on good communicators, and or they, we envision ourselves as good communicators, as facilitators, as people who uh, who bring honesty and integrity. I think that's what we we want on the receiving end from people is that we we do want to be taken at face value. We don't want to maneuver that far outside of ourselves where we distort what we do. And yeah. I I don't speak in tongues. I think, and I can tell with you as well, Hirsch. What you see is what you get with us. I mean, it's. Why be anybody different? Uh, they're the ones who have that taken. I'm, I'm, I'm the only me. I've got the, I've got the market cornered on the JD Gershwin business. Yeah, and everybody should have the market cornered on their personality, mm-hmm. and that is their, their business. Most definitely. You know, that's that's the way they're gonna. That goes back to that question. We're, that's how they're gonna stand out, and it's not by comparing yourself to other right. people. That's another, you know, probably another challenge is, yeah. you know, I, I don't want to compare myself to other people on LinkedIn who are, who are doing the same, who are in the same uh, business or offer quoting the same article or, you know, sharing the same stuff. Yeah. So they're, they're trying, you know, they're, they're, they're a little worried about, about being themselves when that's really all they need to do. Yeah. It's more about the effort, the work, yeah. the t- the the energy, the passion that you that you pour into what you're doing. I think than 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 the rule. You start comparing yourself to people, and that breeds commoditized thinking. It it moves you away from branding. And I have that with many of my clients who who will tell me during the course of our work, hey. JD, I looked at a few profiles of people who do what I do, and then there's this, and they'll lay out these talk tracks and I'll go, well, then why retain me? I'm not, you're not retaining me to just take bullet points from someone else's profile and change the wording around a little bit. I think that's the, again, it it goes against the, the, the grain of what we would call personal branding. You want to go out there and individuate yourself in your field. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there is no interest. I've written, I don't know how many bios, I just it's something I started doing for directors of TV commercials when I was representing mm-hmm. them and there was no such thing as a publicist for that mm-hmm. and then I became a publicist for that and it and as so I've written thousands of of bios mm-hmm. and the goal is always to I don't even worry that it's going to sound like everybody else's bio mm-hmm. because that person can't possibly right. be like everybody else but I the fact that I see it in them is is a skill that I've developed, but yes. the, the fact that they need to see it in themselves yes. is what is what I think your coaching is uh, yeah. is helping them discover. You know, yes, uh, and a LinkedIn profile is is not, in my opinion, a formatted, templated piece. It, it's a living, breathing narrative, and dynamic. and everybody's is going to be different. Uh, nobody, no two people have identical stories, even though they've reached the same. Uh, vocation. I I mean, two estate planning attorneys can be entirely different people with entirely different value systems. And one will appeal to one sector, one will appeal to the next, but they do the same service and ideally for pennies on the dollar. So how are you going to compare them? Well, 
you go with the one you have the good feeling about, you go with the one who's maybe a little bit more published in the law trade journals. But, but anytime we start to compare ourselves or we start to measure ourselves against what others are doing, that's where we kind of fall off the brand wagon, so to speak. And we're, we're kind of, again, we're, we're, we're moving toward the cliff with the other lemmings. I choose to run the other direction. If I see, I, I, I deploy a, a, an activity called salmoning, which is basically I just swim upstream from where the salmon go. I'm going the other way. And, and that's what I do a lot. I, I really feel that uh, if you're going to stand out today on LinkedIn through your profile, through content, through the way you message others, you have to develop your own sense of style. What's right for you? It's, it's not about what Hirsch is doing. It's not about what JD is doing. It's not about what, what this so-called thought leader or guru is doing. It's about what you feel is right, what works for you. Yeah, I would, I would, I just, I'm writing this down. There's a few things that you said that I, I'm writing down. One is the so-called thought leader, because my sense of humor would be like, I would, that's what I would call my book. Hirsch Repoon, so-called yeah, thought leader. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because it, it takes a little bit of the pressure off Yes. It. You know, it's, it's, but, but, but if I am a thought leader, then those ideas are in there. I think the term it doesn't matter what, you know, I think the term has lost a lot of favor th throughout the years too. I, I think it's a diluted term. I, I prefer other terms to it. Thought leadership yeah. is leadership, leadership, pure and simple. I, I was, I glommed onto that term back in 2010 when I first saw it really break on LinkedIn. And I think a lot of people understand what it is. I think it's in, it's a, a company perspective. They want to create thought leadership content, finger quotes, but with, with so many people out there self-declaring as thought leaders and putting, the, putting it right in their professional headline is the top thing, it dilutes the concept. I, I just, I personally don't see it as any kind of status. I think that, I, I think it's one of those things that if you declare yourself that, then you're not that. You're not, exactly. You know, you're the opposite of that. You, somebody <laughs> can say it of you yeah. and that's fine, but I like your point that Leadership, what, what it really is, is asking people to lead. It's really saying, pick up the, pick up the flag. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, just, it's not like, like you have to be some kind of special right. to do right, it. Right, right, right. It's a role that you can play in a moment that requires it as it's like saying that, that I want to be thought of as a general. You know, <laughs> I want to be yes. thought of as a lieutenant colonel. Right. You know, well, be a, go to the military, do the job. Then you, you'll get the status conferred on you exactly you don't walk around and tell people you have to you have to be anointed as such i believe yeah. i believe authority figure is is one that supersedes a lot of it i think it's important to be perceived as an authority in your field but going out there if i were to tell you you know hirsch i'm a thought leader in my area i mean i it's, it's a pompous first-person narrative statement. People will think, oh, well, he likes himself, doesn't he? He, he? he has a very inflated notion of himself. And there are ways to use self-aggrandizing phrases in a way that's palatable to others. You could say, well, you know, I am considered a thought leader in my field. Kind of, yeah. you know, it's passive voice, but, uh, but again, it's, it kind of disarms the, the listener. I really don't shoot phrases like that out of the first person. I, I believe that people can make up their own minds about me. I'm just a guy that's probably closing in on 100,000 hours of LinkedIn study, and I'm still a lifelong learner. I want people to teach me something. I, I, I don't know it all. Anybody that calls themselves an expert, it would imply that they're done learning. 
and that ain't me. I'm there you I'm go. learning something there you go. every time I go and out I, there. It's not presumptuous to say I'm coming up on a hundred thousand hours of of learning any more than it's I've you know it's presumptuous to say I have so many hours of flight training. Yes, it's impressive, but it's right. a respectable and modestly you know, humbly communicated. Thing. Yes. The other one that, that I wrote down was brand wagon falling off the brand wagon. Not everybody can get away with saying that. It's a, not every, I don't, I don't think I would use that. A, I love a, it. I just don't think I would steal that. From it's me. a subtle use of, not because I, a subtle use yeah, of humor ahead, that landed well. Yeah, it did. It landed really well. It landed really well, but then knowing what the shelf life is and when to use that, you know, there's a time exactly. and place for comedy. I'm a natural empath. And, and I really, I would love to be funny and I'd love to have my it instincts go out there and, and sometimes say what I'm really feeling for comedic impact. But I, I really pull back and I, and I just refrain from doing it. I exercise good impulse control there. People have been dealing with so much loss and grief and aggravation since the onset of the pandemic. They've lost loved ones. They've lost businesses. Many obviously do consider it a you know, the bird is no longer caged and they can go out and do some things, the, the great resignation, the great pivot, so to speak. But this has been a wild, wacky romp since the start of the pandemic for people. And there's, there's, they're just mixed bags right now. And I personally just don't want to say the wrong thing, even for the sake of a great joke, which I love. I love a great joke. My gosh. I mean, humor has been my defense mechanism since I was a kid. If I can find the funny in something, I will find it. But on LinkedIn, where it's a high gravitas platform, you still have to be correct. You still have to obtain, a, observe a sense of decorum and formality and convention. I don't want to ruffle feathers. I'm here to teach the platform. And if I'm going to go out there and talk about having a LinkedIn style, I better walk my talk. Also, it's it's a good time to come forth with goodness. I'm not, even as a comedian, even with someone who loves satire as much as I, I'm not looking to make anybody feel crappy. Like, mm -hmm. like it's not like, I'm not looking to roast battle, you know, anybody into oblivion so that they're so shamed and so, and so minimized that they're, they're left, you know, on the mat. That's just not, it just isn't, doesn't appeal in this moment in time. Yeah. What appeals is light, you know, being able to lighten the mood or being able to call attention to something with a certain, you know, uh, finesse, I guess. But but in the service of of goodness, of people being happier, of people being more. Yeah, I think and I so, think more stand up should take that lead because I think yeah. the stand up industry is changing. And you, man, I mean, we've seen it. You say the wrong thing and people will rush the stage and attack you. And yeah. who would have thought that stand-ups would be a target of felonious assaults? And, and you, I, I, I mean, obviously you have to understand the environment. If you're going to go see a stand-up comic, you, I mean, check your sensitivity at the door. I mean, yeah. they're, they're, they're going to lampoon yeah. you. They're going to, they're going to take something that you consider sacred and they're going to make fun of it. That's what you pay for. But at the same yeah. time, they don't pay for that on LinkedIn. They don't pay for that on people who are trying to be cute on shows. It really now is about being very sensitive to the ills of people. And that great quote about whenever you see someone, you know that they're fighting a battle you know nothing about. Everybody is, is fighting something. And some are fighting harder for it than others. Some 
Some are just losing themselves over it. You, you've got mental illness right now at a time when so many people are are dealing with this this external pressure. Mental illness has come to the fore. Health and wellness has come to the fore. In the long run, we've got to help each other. And how do you do that? You do it by staying loose, staying within yourself, being as as good a person as you can, and doing what you do professionally for the right reasons. I can honestly state that I'm a LinkedIn specialist for the right reasons. And, and the way that the platform has evolved right now, where it is right now, where it has become this kind of truth serum where people are opening up more about themselves than their businesses, it's requ it requires a different sensitivity altogether. You have to have the mindset of a healer to do LinkedIn work. And I have that because I know and I've seen what the pain is on the other side. I know what people are trying to accomplish, and my role is to help them get there. I have no further questions. Your Honor. <laughs> that's that's like a beautiful. It's a beautiful summation. You know? Thanks, man. I'm 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 good. I can stop the recording if unless there's anything you wanted to, to add. Actually, that was like my fireworks finale. That was a really good that place to stop. Great. That. <laughs> yeah. All right. If you liked the show, yes, and it worked for you, yes. Subscribe and leave a yes, five-star review. Yes, Tell all your friends. Yes, get your branding here. Yes, get your branding here. Yes, Did I make it clear? Yes, get your branding on yes. before they're gone. Yes.